Hello, and welcome to the World Fellows podcast. My name is Emma Skye, and I'm director of the World Fellows program at Yale. My guest today is Lorna Solis, a Nicaraguan and the founder of Blue Rose Compass and Link. Lorna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for having me. So what is Blue Rose Compass and Link? So Blue Rose Compass is a nonprofit um, which gives scholarships to refugees from different parts of the world. Started with Africa. Now we're mainly in the Middle East. Um, scholarships to top universities, 35 globally, from Tsinghua University to Stanford University. And then we provide them uh, connections with full-time jobs, hopefully back in the region they're from. And Link is a for-profit B Corporation that we are launching in New York City next year. And that one provides training in um, cybersecurity, data analytics, and AI machine learning with, again, a link to a full-time job once they finish the training. So it's always focused on refugees, empowerment, education, and employment. Wow. So what inspired you to set up such organizations? So the largest crisis that we face today uh, is the humanitarian in the humanitarian crisis uh, is, is the refugee crisis. And then we have also, of course, climate both of those affect refugees. We will continue having climate refugees as well as conflict refugees. And as a former financier turned social entrepreneur, what I saw was a link between my former business background and bringing that into the humanitarian space, try to do something about this crisis. I just feel it's the right thing to do. It is affecting all of us. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you do. As long as there's we don't have peace in the world and we don't have wars and we don't continue having these people being displaced, um, how can we be okay? Um, so I feel like it's just, it's just the right thing to do. And you yourself are a refugee. Yes. So I was nine years old when a war broke out in Nicaragua and we were forced to leave. Um, but we came to a beautiful country that embraced us, came to the U.S., um, my half-German grandmother lived in San Francisco. We had somewhere to go. We came with green cards. We were lucky. We were very lucky. We were, were the minority in, when you think of the refugee population and what happens to them. Um, we, and we were blended into the system, completely integrated. I never felt like anything but yet another kid at a school. I never had a label on my forehead. I never felt like I didn't belong. And I, it pains me to see what's happening today in the US and abroad, um, in Europe and other parts of the world who are hosting the majority of refugees and seeing this resistance to allowing them to come in and integrate and just belong. After all, we all want the same thing. We all want just security, education, um, food and shelter, and planning a future for your family. And we're, we're, not, we're not giving this to them. How has President Trump's travel ban affected your work? I was actually at the State Department the day the first ban came down, and I was there for a meeting, um, which was a follow-up meeting from President Obama's Leadership Summit on Refugees, which I'm a part of that coalition. So we were in this room. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's for like, this is for like a movie or a TV series. We're in this room discussing U.S. and refugee agenda, 
But in the room, we also had friends from other parts of the world who were also focusing on refugees. We had representation from Germany, um, the UK, Sweden, Australia, and other countries that I'm forgetting right now. And so when the ban came down, we're in the middle of a meeting. And of course, the, we had people from PRM in the meeting, and they didn't even know this was happening. So we scratched the agenda. This was very sad. We scratched the entire agenda where it said U.S. next to it, and we just focused on all the other countries that were there visiting because we knew we had we had no control and no idea as to what would be happening in the U.S. anymore. Um, I lost 20 scholarships in the U.S. this year. Um, that means 20 depressed families, not just kids, but families because they had all their hopes that they were coming to the U.S., they were going to have a great education. And, you know, these kids are, um, are it for the family. They feel that this kid going to school is going to be their salvation. So the weight um, on, on these kids for being able to do something with themselves is huge because they know they have to provide for their families afterwards. So this was horrible. I mean, I lost around $2.5 million worth of in-kind donations of scholarships. I mean, it's, it's a huge blow. And then we had a scramble trying to find where to send them. But of course, all the all the schools had applications were done for this year. So they they're now a year behind. Um, and we're scrambling still on finding them placements, mostly in Europe and some in the Middle East. But I can't bring anyone here. They're all on the ban. That list is my list. So n I'm not bringing anyone here until, honestly, until this president is no longer the president of the U.S. Because I, I, I don't know if today um, it, it, some can come and then tomorrow they're deported and we can't take that chance. When you look at some of the refugees who in the past received your scholarships, what have they gone on to do? Where are they now? So the first um, the first recipient of a scholarship, and this is when I did not have really a setup yet. I mean, I started this very much ad hoc. Um, that's, a, that's a longer story. Um, he went to Princeton, and then he went to European, European Business School in Germany, um, in Wiesbaden. And uh, he's now working at JP Morgan. He's the number two in the risk department. When the boss leaves, he's the boss. Um, a boss got married last year. It took him, she was in Morocco, so it took a long time to get her over, but she's here now. He's so happy. He's building a life. Um, he, he's brought family over from Dadaab refugee camp, which is where he was coming from. He's a Somali. Um, I have another a brilliant, brilliant student, Lina, who is a Palestinian. She was living in Lebanon. She's working at MasterCard today in Dubai, doing phenomenally well. They didn't even give her the whole probation time. They, they gave her a job, a full-time job, before the probation was done because they were just so impressed by her. They said, why wait? So they just took her in full-time, which for a Palestinian, to have a Palestinian um, passport in, in Dubai, it's very hard to get a work visa. So it's not just, it's not just finding them a job, find, finding them a company, that will go out of their way to find, to get the work visa for us, for someone that's not in a senior position. Usually you do these things for senior people, not for junior people. So these are companies that are seeing the validity and the, the benefits of bringing these young kids who are just so hungry to learn and so grateful. So they show up. And that, I hear this from the companies, how grateful they are that these kids are working for them. Because I keep thanking them and they keep thanking me. And finally, we sat down and I said, why do you keep thanking me? And I said, because they're the hardest working employees we have and they're your students. 
So I said, great, I'll send you an invoice. I haven't done that, but I should probably do that. <laughs> so what next for you? What initiatives have you got in the pipeline? You know, I thought my time at Yale would be, I mean, for a minute, I thought the whole reflection and resetting and it's just, it's just not who I am. I came here and started with seven classes while I was still working full time in my two companies, my NGO and my for-profit and coming up with new ideas. I even started a new initiative while I was here, while I'm, while I'm still here. Um, I will continue with Blue Rose Compass. Delighted that next year we bring the first cohort of 200 Syrian refugees to Argentina. This was a gift from President Macri and the then Minister of Education, um, Esteban Bullrich. And so I will be spending a lot of time starting January in Lebanon and in Argentina hiring brand new staff. I have staff in Jordan, but uh, the Argentinians have an embassy in Lebanon, so we have to do this where they are. So I'll be hiring people in Lebanon, Argentina, establishing all that, and starting to work on the entire process of the identification and the, all the interviews. There are six entities involved in the whole process. It's a very long, tedious process. Um, and hopefully by the end of the year, they'll be in Argentina and starting to study Spanish for the first seven months. So we'll change the lives of 200 people starting next year and then um, up to 1,000, so five, year, five years out. And with LINK, we'll be establishing it in New York. So again, um, Q2, I'll be focusing on that because Q1, Q1 will be focused on Blue Rose Compass. So Q2 will be in New York City. Um, and I'm already, while I'm here, looking at the spaces where we're going to rent in New York. I've done some trips while I've been here um, and starting to look at the partners that will potentially uh, hire for the, our training partners. And I already have the companies on the hook of who's going to hire them afterwards. So the hardest piece, I think, is already done. So I think now it's just putting the pieces together of the actual company and then identifying the refugees in, in the U.S. Well, good luck with all this work. Lorna Solis, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Emma. Pleasure.